Well, man, the month of August is busy. Am I right? I mean, the month of, bu- of August is busy. Everything is ramping up from starting school to sports and all of it. And it is full. Uh, you could probably tell by all of the tables we have out in the lobby, right? You can sign up for an MP group or you can be a part of Love Ed or sign up to serve in children's ministry or be a part of student ministries or whatever. There's lots of ways for you to get connected because everything is ramping up uh, right now here at Mission Point in addition to everything else in our lives. And just the other day, uh, my wife and I were sitting down on the couch and we were putting everything into our calendar for the fall. And not only do we use our Google Calendar on our phones, but we, let me say she, uh, actually writes it down on a white chalkboard uh, calendar in our, in our dining room, in our kitchen area, and puts it up there so that we can keep track of all of the events uh, going on through the month, and they're visible and all of that. And I will tell you, we ended that time going, oh, it's full. We, we got a lot going on. Uh, we have a freshman in high school and a senior in high school. So this means that our calendar is packed. Uh, people, when our kids were younger, told us, oh, yeah, just wait till your kids get older. It's going to be crazy. You're going to be like a chauffeur going all over town. And I did not believe them. Now I understand what they meant. Uh, it is busy and crazy. Uh, we have uh, cross-country meets to attend and wagon wheel additions to get to, senior pictures to schedule, college visits to plan, colleges to apply to, all of those things, let alone the normal housework we have, like mowing the lawn and the, pulling the weeds that seem to be taking over my front lawn and all of that kind of thing, let alone the jobs that we have, my wife and I both work, and the places that we want to volunteer and give some of our time. I'm telling you what, our schedule is packed and we are busy. And I wonder if your schedule feels a little bit like ours. And my guess is, is that it does. How do I know? It's because you tell me. When we run into each other in the middle of Kroger or in uh, Aldi or Martin's or any of those kind of things, I say the question, hey, how are you doing? And what's your answer? Really busy. We're good, but we're really busy. Right? We are such a busy people. Being busy seems to be universal in our Western culture with so many demands on our lives, right? We have things to do and people to see and projects to finish and goals to attain and uh, people to reach for Jesus and so on and so on and on and on and on. And so life is busy. So with that in mind, today I get to start a new series that we're calling Busy Jesus. And the beauty is, is that Jesus understands the tension we live in because Jesus was a busy guy, right? He was teaching the crowds and healing the masses and training his disciples and meeting with people. Jesus was very, very busy. We see this several times just in the book of Mark, right? Mark chapter one, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people still came to him from everywhere. Mark three, people heard all about what Jesus was doing. And many people came to him because of the crowd. Jesus told his disciples to get into a boat and get a boat ready for them. This, is, this would keep the people from crowding him. One version actually says from keeping the people from crushing him. 
Mark chapter 3, Jesus entered a house and, and again a crowd gathered, so he and his disciples went, uh, were not even able to eat. And then Mark 9, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. You see, Jesus was busy. He was busy. And I will say to you today that Jesus is the example to us on how to live this busy life out. And so in this series, we're going to try to answer questions or ask questions like this. What, what did Jesus prioritize? What were his priorities? What did he go out of his way to make time for? How did he manage all the domains of his life and his ministry when everything was pulling him in so many directions? And so that's what we're going to try to tackle in this series. I mean, we all feel busy, but the question is, how do we know that we're being busy with the right things? And so in this series, we're going to desire to slow down for just a second, which is hard to do for a guy like me. I don't slow down very often. So we're going to try to slow down for a second and consider what Jesus busied himself with and if we can do the same. And Jesus gives us many examples in Scripture, but the first one that came to my mind as I was thinking about this was when Jesus made some priorities when he was just a boy. Right In the book of Luke, we get to see Jesus, uh, what he did and what he prioritized as a preteen. Right? You might remember the story. Right? Jesus and his family, every year, they go to Jerusalem for the Passover. And once the uh, festival was over, uh, his family uh, started off on their way home. And they traveled a whole day. And then Mary and Joseph had a Kevin McAllister home alone ah moment when they realized that Jesus was not with them. And you thought that leaving your kid in the aisle over at Walmart was bad, right? They left him a whole day, his journey. And so uh, Mary and Joseph traveled three whole days, traveled back, took three whole days to find uh, Jesus. And as you can imagine, Mary and Joseph were both elated and a little frustrated with Jesus uh, when they found him. This is what Mary said. She said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And this is where Jesus begins to create this narrative, an example, and an example of what it means to live a busy life. Jesus says this. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's the New King James Version uh, says it this way. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I like that. Being about my father's business. Jesus was saying that his father's business was the most important thing that he could and that he would prioritize over everything else. And so that means Jesus busied himself not with the what, but he busied himself with the who. Meaning he spent time looking for people who needed to know him. The demon possessed, the blind beggar, the lame, the tax collector, and those people who just had honest questions and who were wrestling with who he was as a teacher, as a rabbi, and as a maybe messiah. You see, Jesus was on the lookout and open for disruption and interruption. 
I mean, Jesus would often be walking down the road, having a destination in mind, trying to get there, crowds going all around him, and someone would stop him right in front and he needed healing or needed to talk to him and have a question. And Jesus would stop what he was doing and he would notice those people and he would meet their needs and he would change course if needed. It makes me think of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. The Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, also known as the frequency illusion, describes our tendency to notice something for the first time and then suddenly to see it everywhere. Has this ever happened to you? Right? This is what happened when we bought our new Honda Pilot a couple years ago. Right? We, we bought the Honda Pilot and was, we're getting it. It's like, it feels like, gosh, there are Honda Pilots everywhere. How am I not, how did I not see these before? Right? And then it was weird because then it was like we were seeing the same color of a Honda Pilot, the same make, the same model, what seemed to be the same year as ours. And we're like, were these always here? Or did we just now notice them? Or are they just appearing because now we're buying one? I don't know. But the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon was like what Jesus was doing. He always had his antennas up, ready to see people who had needs. And he was open to who God might place in his path. He was willing to busy himself with people and needs in front of them so that he could bless them, he could encourage them, and many times he could heal them. And so in this way, Jesus lived a busy life in the best way possible. Now, at this point, you might be saying, okay, Michael, yeah, that's fine. It's Jesus. You know, he's not me. You know, he was a rabbi. Ministry was his job. He doesn't have my nine to five. And I don't even work nine to five. I work second shift. So how does that work? Right? So how does this work in 2023? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about that uh, today. We're going to look at a story where Jesus modeled this well in order to give us a place to start and a foundation uh, to build on. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open your Bible to Mark chapter one. That's where we're going to land today. Uh, we'll also put the verses on the screen. And I also have to say that if you uh, don't have a copy of the scriptures, man, we would love to give you one. You can stop by the connection corner or guest services on your way out. We would love to give you a copy of the Bible. And last week I saw like three or four people go get a Bible after service and man, it made my day. So stop by, grab a Bible. We would love to have you take one today. All right, before we jump into Mark chapter 1, let me give you a little context for this passage. So Jesus and his disciples, uh, right there, he's called his disciples. They've been doing ministry for a little while now. And uh, then he and his disciples go into Capernaum. And when they arrived in Capernaum, it becomes the day of the Sabbath. And so they go to synagogue, they go to church, just like they normally would. Uh, And so that's what starts what's going to be a very busy day for Jesus. And so they go to church, but in the middle of the service, um, Jesus doesn't just go to church. He actually gets up in the middle of the service and begins to teach. So Jesus is teaching, and then all of a sudden, here's this demon-possessed guy that he needs healing. So Jesus stops what he's doing, heals the demon-possessed guy right in the middle of his sermon. Talk about an interruption, right? And then this, this church service ends and all of that, and then Right after church, they have to go to uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house because Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus is going to go from there and he's going to heal uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, can you tell that Jesus has a busy day? He's a busy dude. And I will have to stop here and say that Sundays for pastors and teachers are busy days. Uh, Most pastors and teachers I know... uh, 
when they get done on Sundays, they go home, they lay on the couch, and they take a nap because it takes, it takes so much out of you on Sunday mornings. A lot of times I'll go home, maybe even this afternoon, uh, put on a NASCAR race, fall asleep, it doesn't matter because they're just turning left. And then at the, end, uh, at the end, you know, I can just see who wins, right? But not Jesus here. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't go home and take a nap. Church is done, and Jesus goes and continues to do his father's business. He continues to do the work God has for him and heal Peter's mother-in-law. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 32. This is what it says. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Not only does Jesus have a busy day, but then the busyness continues into the night. One commentary I read uh, labeled this section of scripture, night work. And I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. How many of us, you know, after dinner with our family, open up the laptop, try to get a few emails sent out before we go to bed, right? I'm, I'm guilty of that, right? So Jesus was doing even more work at night. And that's why I love about Jesus, because he's so relatable. He gets it because he lived it. And let's not forget that the whole town gathered at the door. The whole town. That's crazy. Talk about the pressure of being busy and then having all of these people wanting to talk to you, wanting to be healed, needing something from you. I mean, I can't imagine all of the hundreds of people lining up outside my door to talk to me and then the pressure to make sure that they are healed and sent off. It makes me think about my wedding day. Uh, Weddings are so fun and so full of joy, but they are incredibly busy, right? Every single person that comes to the wedding wants to talk to the bride and the groom. Well, at least the bride anyway, not necessarily the groom. Uh, But everybody wants to talk to you. And my wife uh, is an introvert. And so when we got married, she was like, we are not going to do a receiving line after the, uh, the service because I do not want to stand there and shake everybody's hand, hug everybody. That's going to drain me. And I am an extrovert. I love being with people. But I was kind of like, oh, that's still a lot too. And really, I just wanted to get to the dance floor and have a lot of fun and go eat some cake. So we opted to not do that. And so we still had people coming up and talking to us and all of that throughout the, the night. And I remember vividly, We were sitting in a back room and everybody was getting lined up uh, around the car. They were lighting sparklers and all of that as we were going to go to the car and leave and go off into the sunset and all that kind of stuff. And my wife and I were just so exhausted. And I remember her leaning her head on my shoulder and says, can we just leave out the back door and go, (laughs) you know? And it made me think about this for Jesus because Jesus had the whole town at the door, and yet he didn't leave out the back door. He did what he always did. He did the father's business. He did the work that God had given him to do late into the night. He heals the sick and the demon-possessed. He even controls demons uh, because they know who's in control. And, And I love that. I love that he even controlled the demons. You see, Jesus had an insanely busy day. 
but we see that he prioritized people. I think, and this applies to us as well, in the midst of our busyness, we can and we should also prioritize people just like Jesus. Jesus saw the needs of those around him and he put them at the top of his to-do list and put everything else to the side. He could have said that he was too busy or he was too tired or he clocks out at five o'clock or a myriad of other things, but he didn't. He loves these people so much and he loves them enough to prioritize them above his own needs. So do we do that? When we, when we have an insanely busy day, do we prioritize people? I don't know about you, but Jesus' example challenges me because I know that I don't always live that way. And then for my introverted friends in the room, you're, saying, and you're going, okay, so you're telling me you have to have the whole crowd over? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, when we prioritize people, that means we see them. We ask questions. We listen to them. We tell them we care about them. And Jesus did this plenty of times one-on-one as well. So it can be done one-on-one. It doesn't have to necessarily be with just the crowd. right? We can prioritize people and we can pray with them and pray for them and all of that kind of stuff. And then we see a bit of a shift here in these next few verses in the, in the book of Mark. Uh, starting in verse 35. Here's what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and and his companions went looking for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Ah, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. You see, here we see Jesus getting up early to be with God for some silence, some solitude, and prayer. I mean, this verse is interesting because you might expect the next verse to say, after such a hectic day and busy day, Jesus slept in. But that's not what it says. Jesus didn't sleep in. I mean, no one would blame him, right? He had a busy, crazy, hectic day that went into the night. But Jesus did something different. Jesus gets up early to be with God in prayer. And I'm a morning person. I love being up in the morning, but I will tell you, after a full day like that, I'm not sure I would get up early to be with God. It's not something I would want to do. It's probably not something I would do. I would probably sleep in, but not Jesus. Jesus gets up and spends time with God. And in the first century, it would have been nearly impossible to find a a kind of a place to be alone in the town like Capernaum, right? With, with narrow streets. And sometimes there's a lot of people living in one home, like 10 or 20 people in a one room house. Uh, All of these closes were houses were close together. There's so many people, things, business, all of that. And about the only time you might find a place alone was out in the hills, outside the city early in the morning. And in the first century, people got up at the crack of dawn right? When the sun rose, people got up, right? The sun is up, so I am up, right? And so Jesus here gets up well before dawn, well before it's light out to be alone and pray. And so here we see that during a busy 
and a crazy week and a busy and crazy ministry season, Jesus prioritizes prayer. His life was busy and his work was important, but, and he knew, he knew that it had to be rooted in time with his father. And so this is an example for us to use as well. In our busyness, in our craziness, when life is, is just at its most hectic, we need to remember to prioritize prayer and time with Jesus. We cannot give to other people what we do not have. Let me say that again. We cannot give to other people what we do not have. Pastor and author Pete Scazzaro says it like this. Doing for Jesus needs to flow out of being with Jesus. Doing for Jesus needs to flow out of being with Jesus. And so when we empty ourselves like Jesus did that night when all of those people were surrounding him and his house, he knew he needed to go to God in prayer to be filled back up again, to go to another town to continue to do ministry. Jesus intentionally carved out time to be with God, and he did it often. But here's the thing. He did it often right in the middle of his busy season. He knew it was essential for not only his ministry, but to sustain him and his life along the way. You see, Jesus is the example of this. And, and we, we read scriptures like this all throughout uh, the Bible, like John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, some translations use the word abide, which means to stay with or to be with, right? This idea of being connected to Jesus so we are nourished, and we can be used to bear good fruit is such an important thing to remember, especially when we are insanely busy. And for many of us, it's true, me included, communing with God gets edged out by emails, kids' activities, work, family responsibilities, or anything else that crowds our schedule. But this scripture and what Jesus models says otherwise. And then there's the without it, we can do nothing, right? Is that real? That's true, really? We can do nothing? I don't know about you, but yeah, I know I can get away with it for a little while. But it's been proven in my life that if I do that, it only lasts for a little bit. And then I become fatigued, overworked, burned out, cranky, upset, and a myriad of other things. And not only does Jesus model this for us, but he told us about it in the book of Matthew. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus invites us. It's an invitation to prioritize time with him in prayer. 
He knows our bodies and our souls will get tired, and he wants to renew us and refresh us by taking the heavy yoke off of our shoulders, which, by the way, we often put there ourselves, and he wants to make our burden light by just being with Jesus. It makes the words of Psalm 46, which we, you know, put on social media and have on pillows and sweatshirts and stuff. It makes, it's a good reminder of why this is a good scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And here's the thing, going to prayer, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go to God in prayer. We're going to say, here's all the things I, I, I'm asking for, and here's all the things I'm grateful for, and God, what do you want me to do, and tell me my marching orders, and all of that. That's true, but here's the deal. Going to God in prayer, although we will do those things, essentially, that's not where we start. Going to God in prayer is just about enjoying God. It's about delighting in him and letting him delight in you. We just have to slow down enough to just be with him. I mean, we're human beings, right? Not human doings. Author Oz Guinness puts it this way. He says, we are not primarily called to something or go somewhere. We are called to someone. We're called to someone. We're not called first to the special work, but to God. The key to answering the call is to be devoted to one and to nothing above God himself. We're to be devoted to no one and to nothing above God himself. You see, we are called to God first and then the work. So if that's true, which I think it is, then why is it so hard for us often to prioritize prayer? I mean, we know that it would be good for us, but we don't often pray. I mean, why is that? Well, again, I want to give you a couple of reasons. It's certainly not an exhaustive list, but a couple of things I was thinking about. And that is, I think the first and foremost, I think that it's easy to push this off to the periphery when we're busy and tired and worn out. Right? It can just feel like one more thing that we have to do. Right? Some of our tiredness and our weariness and busyness is out of our control. Right? Uh, deadlines at work and family responsibilities. But sometimes, sometimes we go to bed too late because we're watching that last Netflix series and we just got one more episode like Swamp Kings that I watched last night Right? about the Florida Gators. Right, But sometimes we, we do that and we go to bed at 2 a.m. And then when we get up, we're too tired to spend time with God and to pray. Here's the deal. Sometimes we choose the wrong thing. I mean, you remember the story of Mary and Martha, right? Right. Jesus comes to visit Martha in her home and Martha's getting all of the preparations ready. And then Mary uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then Martha's like, well, wait a minute, I'm over here cooking dinner and you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha says, hey, Jesus, tell Mary to help me in the kitchen. And look what Jesus says to her. He says, Martha, Martha, 
the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, sometimes we choose the wrong things. And choosing the one thing, the most important thing, is the key. And then another reason that it can be hard to prioritize prayer is that it can feel awkward if we don't know what to say or to do, right? I mean, sometimes we go into prayer and we go, okay, should I, should I go into my little prayer closet and sit in reverence? Uh, there's going to be angels going, oh, you know, like, what is that what it's going to be like? Or, or do I go uh, in, into my prayer closet and I pray and I schedule some time and I go, hey, big guy, what's going on? Here are all the things I need. I'm knocking on the door of heaven. Like, wh- what does it look like for us to do that if it's not something that we're used to or that we're in practice of doing? But here's the deal. It doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you do it. Even when we don't have the words, it's okay, because guess what? God has that taken care of. We can read these words in Romans 8. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So even if you go to God in prayer and you go, if that's all you got, it's okay. God gets it. He just wants you to be with him. The point is, is that we're following the example of Jesus and we're carving out time to be with God in his loving presence in the midst of all of the things that we're dealing with in our lives. Another reason uh, that it can be sometimes difficult to prioritize prayer is that uh, being in the presence of God can be a very tender and vulnerable place. Right, we, we are coming to God in prayer. We're bringing feelings and thoughts that are hard, and sometimes we can feel exposed a little bit. Right, We're coming to him with all the highs and the lows of our life and those dark moments and the things that if you said, if anybody knew this about me, they would. And we're coming into God's loving presence with all that stuff, and it can feel like a vulnerable and tender place. And sometimes we feel shame or embarrassment or a myriad of other feelings. And here's the deal. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. God loves you. God loves you. And here's the other part. God never wants to shame you. He doesn't want to scold you. Only thing God wants for you in his presence is to know that he loves you unconditionally. That's it. No more, no less. And when you come to him in his his loving presence, he just wants you to know that you are loved. You are his beloved no matter what you did last night or no matter what you will do next week, in his presence, you are beloved. And that is it. Author Henry Nouwen puts it this way. If we could be for a few minutes each day fully where we are, and we would indeed discover that we are not alone and that the one 
who is, the one who is with us wants only one thing. He wants only one thing, and that's to give us love. That's it. In his loving presence, he wants you to know that you are loved. And what an amazing thought it is that we get to be in the presence of a loving God who loves us unconditionally. Not that we have to spend time with God, but we get to. We get to be in his loving presence, being loved unconditionally. What a gift that is. But that can be a vulnerable and hard place at times. And lastly, I would say it's hard to prioritize prayer because we're not in control, right? We live in America and most of the time we can pull, up our, our, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and make things happen and we can put strategies into place and we can make this go and make that call and do those kind of things and get things accomplished. But when we come to God in prayer, we're not in control. He's in control. And we have to surrender that to him, knowing that he is God and we are not. Even if we don't understand what is happening, Right, so he's on the throne. So whatever life throws at us, he's in control of. So we can come to him with our busy schedule. We can come to him with uh, the cancer diagnosis or a difficult marriage relationship or a micromanaging boss or a kid who's walking away from Jesus or whatever it might be. We surrender our control and we say, I surrender my need to control God. You're in control. You are God. I am not. And that can be a hard place to be because we like to be in control, don't we? I know I do. And here's the thing. While Jesus was busy, while he was in the middle of his ministry and he was teaching and he was healing people and things from the morning till night, he knew that he had surrendered control of the cross, the thing that was before him. And so he knew that he had to spend time with his father to be prepared for what was to come. Jesus wasn't in control that moment. He could have been, but he surrendered his control. And he said, God, I I submit to your will, not mine. And that's true for us. When we come to God in prayer, we surrender our need for control. And we say, God, I trust you. I believe you. I know you're faithful. And so I am not God. You are. So God, I leave this at the foot of the cross. And so we can't convince ourselves, as that we often do, that we will spend time with God when things slow down. Because guess what? They're probably not going to slow down. I mean, if we're honest, right? The truth is, we only have so much time in the day, and that's, pro- that's not going to change. And things are going to continue to be busy in our lives. And so what do we do with that? I mean, we don't often hear people say like, oh, man, if I had more time, I would. What, what do they fill that blank with? Most often people say, I would exercise more, or I would you know, pick up a hobby or, I mean, some people might say, I'll read the Bible, which is a good thing, but I don't often hear people say, I'll take more time to sit in God's presence in prayer. And I think 
Making prayer a priority is the only way to change this. Putting it on the top of our list, spending time with Jesus in prayer and being in his loving presence. So if this is true, which I think it is, how do we live this out? I mean, do we just say, well, I'll try harder next week. I don't know about you, but whenever I say that, it doesn't usually work out too well. So I just, I want to give you a practical, an insanely practical, maybe next step. It isn't earth shattering, but maybe it's a step in the right direction. And so um, I want to invite you to get your phone out. Just get it in your hand. It's okay to get your phone out in church. It's all right. I'm asking you to just don't, just don't check your email or your text messages. Okay. And I don't know about you, but if something is not on my calendar, it generally doesn't get done, okay? And so I'm going to encourage you, in the course of the next seven days, can you find a five-minute time slot, five-minute time slot to put this in your calendar? Sit quietly and pray. Sit quietly and pray. And see if you can schedule it every day this week. Maybe even put it on repeat and see if it'll lead into next week. But for this week, just the next seven days, can you schedule five minutes to sit quietly and pray? Maybe for some of you, it's during your morning coffee or your breakfast. Maybe for you in your schedule, it just works on the drive to to work, to just listen for God's voice, to pray with him, to spend time with God. Maybe you're a busy parent and uh, maybe it's, it's right after you drop the kids off in the, in the drop-off line at school, or maybe it's just before the kids get into the van uh, at the end of the, the day, right when you're sitting in the pickup line and you just spend that five minutes with God. But wherever that is for you, schedule that in your calendar. I think scheduling this practice will be huge because it will allow us the opportunity to come to God And maybe that five minutes will turn into 10 minutes and maybe that 10 into 15 and 15 into 20. And who knows? Maybe this will be the most rich time you ever spend with God in your life by just doing one small thing. And when we come to God every day, this gives us an opportunity to come to him with all that we're carrying, all of our requests. It gives us an opportunity to see what he might be inviting us into, what he might be asking us to step into and what love might require of us so that when we see disruptions and interruptions in our lives, we go, oh, uh, that's, okay, that's it. That's where God has opened a door and allowing us to show and share the love of Jesus. Man, our lives are so busy. And as I said before, man, I have two high school kids and you know, it's like, who's taking the car this, this day and who's doing that and what, what thing are we running to and da, 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 and we're just we're in the 50 different places all the time. Our lives are so full with all the things, right? So carving out time like this with us and God is so, so crucial. And my hope, my hope and my prayer of this message is that in the midst of our busy lives, right in, when everything is swirling, That when we prioritize prayer, if we do this in a way that fills us up to go out into the world and prioritize people just like Jesus did so that everyone 
can know the love and the grace of Jesus so that we can show and share his love so that the world and people are transformed. And if we do this, if we do this small step, I believe that we will feel encouraged and fulfilled and used by God, even in some of the most busy and hectic seasons of our lives. The question is, what are we prioritizing? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder that we need. We need the reminder from time to time to put you back into that place of first importance in our lives. And so God, as we wrestle with what we've heard today, I pray, God, that you would give us the strength to live into this this week and then the courage to do something with what we've heard. Not just today, not just this week, but on and on and make this a regular practice. God, we want to know you more and we want to be like you more. And so, God, we just pray that you would use this time to continue to drive this home for us, that we need you above everything else and for us to prioritize time with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.